Those of you who haven't seen that, I'm not checking messages. I'm setting up the recording for the service. That's all I'm doing. Not checking messages, just checking that. That video, uh, by the way, how many of you have heard that sermon before? Anybody heard that one? All right, just a few of you have heard that. It, it's, it's an older sermon. I'm so glad that it was recorded and that it can still be used today because if you want to know what Christian people are all about, that's it. I mean, we, what we really believe is that about 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus, who we believe to be the actual son of God, I mean, he's, he's, it, when we sing about God in three persons, that may sound weird or mysterious to you, but we really believe that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but there's just one God. You say, well, how can that be? We just go, it just is. It just is. And, and Jesus, as God, walked the earth. I mean, he, he never did anything wrong. He never committed anything that, that the Bible would call a sin. He never sinned. Now, people thought he did, and people accused him of all kinds of things, but he, he never sinned. And, and there was kind of a conspiracy of both religious people and, and you know, political people and the government and the religion. They, they conspired together to say, we've got to get rid of this guy. And they were able to get the death penalty passed, thanks to the Roman Empire. And they actually put him to death in the worst possible way available at the time, which was crucifixion. And, you know, thankfully, because of the, the things that happen today, we can have visuals of that, like you just saw in these video clips that give you some idea, because people today have no idea what crucifixion was about. I mean, we've never seen one, but in the first century, it was something you could see, and you could see pretty regularly, and it was gruesome, and it was terrible, and it was designed to be a a hindrance, you know, it was designed to, to tell people that were thinking about committing crimes, you don't want to do this because this is what will happen to you. It was the worst possible, most agonizing way to die. And that's what they did to Jesus. Now, something else happened. He wasn't just crucified. During those hours, God, the Father, did something that only God could do. God took all the sins of all the people in all the world ever and put it on Jesus. You say, well, how can that be? It just is, it's the same thing, it just is. God, God was able to look forward in time, back in time. God looks at all time. He took every person, everything that they've ever done wrong or ever would do wrong, he took that sin, somehow God took all of that and he just gave it to Jesus and he just let Jesus die as the punishment for the sins of all the world. That's what Jesus did. That's what Friday was about. And then on Saturday, nothing. And then according to the Bible, on Sunday morning, when they showed up at the tomb, he was already alive. That he rose from the dead. And if you want to know what Christian people really believe, that's it. They crucified him. He was dead for three days, part of Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday. And on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. And he's alive. And that's why on this day, as Sunday kind of rolled around the planet, and here we are. I mean, I just got a message a little while ago from Sam Kalawala. They are 11 and a half hours ahead of us into their Easter. So they've already had services in a couple of places there in Sarsila, India. And he's been sending me pictures this morning of their Easter celebration. And, and that's really what's been going on all around the globe. It's just been a constant flow of worship as Christian people have gotten together on what we call Easter Sunday. And we have been celebrating in the, the biggest way we know how the resurrection of Jesus the Christ from the dead. And that's why you're here. And it's why a lot of people, when they walk into a church on Easter Sunday and they see all the extra stuff, I mean, you know, if you, if you never go to church and you just come on Easter, you might think this is the way it always looks. 
But it's not, you know, we do a little bit extra on Easter Sunday. But this is why we do it. Because this day, among all the other Sundays of the year, we just put an extra emphasis on the fact that Jesus Christ died on a Friday. He rose from the dead on a Sunday. He is alive this very moment. We talk to him in our prayers. Sometimes he talks back to us in his own way. He talks to me different than he talks to you, but he does it because he's alive. We are his people. We are his church. So it was Friday, but Sunday's here. And for us, every day is Sunday. Every single day is Sunday. That's the resurrection. So what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to take that and go forward with it. Because I want us to look in Acts chapter 2. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. It's Acts chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from verse 46, uh, 42 to 47. It'll be on the screen if you just want to see it there. That's fine as well. But, but we're going to talk about not only why he came, but especially how he came. Because that's moving forward. Because if we're thinking about why Jesus came, you can say those things that we always say in, in church. We say he came to seek and save the lost. That would have been us. I was the lost and he came to seek and to find me. Even though I was 2,000 years from existing, I wasn't in this world. When Jesus came, that's why he did it. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. People like you and me, he came to find us. He came to give his life as a ransom for our sin. I couldn't pay for my sin. Death is what I deserve for it. But he said, I'll pay that for you. I'll die in your place. So if we say that, it's all true. But it's also, to, it's also true to say that he came so that we could have life in the fullest possible way. As long as we're still in a broken world and we're still broken people in a broken world, there are going to be limitations. There's going to be disappointments, failures, all those kinds of things are going to happen. But Jesus came so that you could have a full life, a life closer to what God intended. So we might say it this way. Jesus did all of these things, all that I just talked about, but he did these things so you and I could live a different kind of life. And you being here today and just being part of the church or even around the church, that's your open door to a different kind of life. And that's what I'm going to talk about. That's what I'm going to read about in the scripture in just a few moments. Now, the scripture is going to tell us that Jesus came eating and drinking. I like that. He did so much eating and drinking and hanging out with people that he was criticized for it. I know some of you are thinking, I didn't know I had that much in common with Jesus. <laughs> but we do. Like he, he went to so many get-togethers, call them parties, whatever you want to call them. He went to so many get-togethers that the other you know, religious people in the world looked at Jesus and they said, this guy drinks too much, he eats too much, he's a glutton, he hangs out with people he shouldn't hang out with. How can he really be anything special? Again, you're thinking, I didn't know I had so much in common with Jesus. But that's what he did. He came eating and drinking. And, and there was some, he, it wasn't true that he just came to preach or that he just came to teach or he just came to build some kind of organization. He, he came and he just spent time with people doing something that, that is so common to everyone, but he did it in a special way. He came eating and drinking. Now, just so you know, and, and some of you, you know, may have missed the last two weeks, we've got three parts of this. And I think this is on the screen, Ross, too. Uh, love like Jesus. That's what we've been thinking about. Two weeks ago, last week, and then today is the third part of this. Love like Jesus. And we looked in the first part at how he forgives sinners. So if you want to know what it means to love like Jesus, that's where it starts. Forgive sinners. You got, he forgave us. Everything I've ever done wrong, he forgave me for. All right. I know I can remember most of what I've done wrong. 
but not all of it. Can you? You can't either. Don't pretend like you do. You, we, can't, we can't remember all the things we've done wrong. But he forgave me of all those things. And then if I really want to be blown away, here's the truth. He forgave me for things I haven't even done yet. I don't want to do those things, but I know I'm going to mess up somewhere. And he's already forgiven me of the things I'm going to do wrong. So if you're here today and, and you just, if you, like if any, maybe, maybe this isn't you, maybe it's some other thought in your mind, but if you have any thought in your mind that there's a God up in heaven, maybe, but he's got a hammer and he's just kind of waiting to bring that down on me. If, if that's what you're thinking, can you just let that explode out of your mind? Because that is not God. The God who made all of us, he's not out to get you. You know, he knows what you are. He knows you were made out of dust. Okay, not the ladies, but the men. He knows we were, we were made from dirt. You know, that, that, that's in the Bible. I mean, that's just it. We were made from dirt. That's it. He knows that's how weak we are. He knows we mess up. He knows we fail. He's not ready to punish you. He, he loves you and he wants to forgive you. And that's the way he did it. He, he did it by sending Jesus who forgives sinners. And then last week we looked at how Jesus washes feet. I know if you don't know the story or you're not really familiar with, you know, the Bible and those kinds of things, you're thinking he washes feet. Really? <laughs> That's kind of weird. But he did it in such a way as to teach us something. He was teaching us that he himself, the one who came from heaven to earth, would take the lowest possible position. He would make himself the servant of everyone in the room and he would take their sandals off and wash their feet just like he was their servant. And when he finished all that, he went back to his place at the table. He looked at that group of people and he said, do you know what I've done for you? And, you know, all the dense ones went, yeah, you washed our feet. But he demonstrated in a visual way exactly what he did. He left his place, heaven. He came to us. He served us. He washed our feet. When he was finished with that, he goes back to his place. He rose from the dead. He goes back to heaven. That's where he is today. That's what Jesus did for us. And that's what it means when we think of he washes feet. And then today we're looking at the third part, how he breaks bread. Now, he did that the same night. So he washed their feet first and then he broke bread. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, there's a, a seminary class. We have six seminaries in Southern Baptist life. They're scattered around the country. And there's a class on the meals of Jesus. Doesn't that sound fun? Like, doesn't that sound like you could get an A real easy if you take a class on the meals of Jesus? And really, it's divided up like this. You look at the scriptures where Jesus is on his way to a party. You look at the scriptures where he's at a party. And then you look at the scriptures where he's leaving the party. A. You can, you can ace this class. It's a great class. But that's how much of it's in the Bible. It's not like this is one or two places. This is what Jesus did. He went all kinds of places. And he, he was eating and he was drinking with them. And, and all of that was a kind of fellowship. Now, I don't... Like, did y'all go by the table and get something to eat today? I didn't have time, but I saw it. Okay, I didn't have time. But I don't, I don't know what you eat. I, I just, I was joking with Michelle. When we got married, the four basic food grip groups, McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, and probably Pizza Hut. You know, the, those were the four basic food groups. You come to my house today, and my daughter's here. Now, she'll just tell you this is truth. I drink coffee. I drink water. 
maybe something else every now and then, you know, a juice or something, coffee and water. My refrigerator is filled with things I can't pronounce, used to cook things I can't pronounce, and things I can't, if you ask me what it is, I'm like, I don't know, it's food. You know, that, that's the truth. Things have just changed so much. But it doesn't matter if you're eating McDonald's or you're eating something you can't pronounce that's supposed to be good for you. Doesn't matter what you're doing, it's, it's who you're sitting down with, right? And I know some of you, you eat alone, okay? And, and, and sometimes we have to do that. But there's something special about any of those moments when we get to sit down and have a meal with someone because our presence is there, right? You, you get to be in that person's presence and there's a fellowship there. And for the church, it takes on an added dimension and that's what we're about to read. So I'm gonna read this scripture. You just look at it and, and consider this is a group of believers in Jesus and what they're doing. The Bible just kind of summarizes this in Acts chapter two, beginning at verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. And day by day, they continued with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily, day by day, those who were being saved. Would you join me for prayer? Father in heaven, again, we thank you for the way you love us, all that you've done for us. And we ask, Lord, that as your people, you teach us how to do all of these things and to do them well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's four main things in the scripture we just read. They're not even the main points that I want to make to you today, but there are four main things in that scripture I really want you to hold on to. So when they got together, the first thing they did was they devoted themselves to the teaching. Now, they, they didn't have a New Testament like you and I, but they had the actual apostles there, the people who had met Jesus and spent time with him, and, and they were his disciples, and they were listening to those guys as they were teaching the things that Jesus had taught them. And, and so they, when they got together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In 2,000 years, nothing has changed. The church still gets together, and if we do it right, we devote ourselves to the teaching of Jesus Christ. That's why when we have food, and we have music, and we do other things, and we watch videos, all that stuff's good and it's important, but the main thing is that we look into the Scripture, and we find out what the Bible says, and we devote ourselves to the teachings of God that have been preserved for us in the Bible. That's the starting point. And then the second thing was they were devoted to the fellowship. That's the presence. That's the part that you can't get any other way. That's the part you miss. Like, I, I know you could stay home today. You could read the Bible. You could listen to something online or radio or TV or something like that. But what you would miss is the presence of these people. And, you know, it could be that you're like, I could stand to miss the presence of some of these. Right? That happens sometimes. I get that. But for the most part, when you're together, and, and this is one of the things that have, that, that have happened, one of the things that that's happened for us in the last few weeks. When, you, when we get together, I mean, I, it's so encouraging. You know, I just, when I'm, when I'm with you, and I'm gonna tell you some more about you in a minute, but when I'm with you, there's just, there's just an encouragement there. And I can't get that any other way. And you can't get that any other way. That's what fellowship is. You, have, you must be present to win. In order to, to enjoy the benefits of fellowship, you gotta show up. And that's what they were doing. So they devoted themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. That means food, right? 
but it's more than just food. So over here on the table today, uh, we have the cups. They have the bread and they have the juice. And at the end of this service, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. Just like Jesus did it on the, the night before he was betrayed, we're going to do that today as a church. And we're going to remember that the bread is his body broken for us and the juice represents his blood that was poured out for us so that we could have eternal life and abundant life. So we're going to do that. So when they got together to have a meal, yeah, it was part meal like that, you know, like, hey, this is great food. Thank you for bringing this. But it was part this. And that is we're going to remember with the breaking of bread what Jesus did for us. And the church has been doing that again for 2000 years. And then the last thing that the scripture says in that sentence is that they devoted themselves to prayer. So if you want to know what it's about to get together as a church or to get together as a group of believers in somebody's home or in some other way, that's what it is. There's a devotion to the teaching. There is a kind of fellowship that takes place. There's the breaking of bread and there's prayer. Those are the four things that happen that, that separate us from anything else. I mean, you can get together with friends and eat anytime you want to. But when you add this in, the teaching, when you add in the fellowship, true fellowship, when you add in the breaking of bread and the prayer, that's what sets us apart as a church. That's what makes us different. Now, I know what happens. It's easy for us to separate. Okay, um, don't raise your hand, but if you're old enough to remember before most of us had air conditioners, right? what did people do before air conditioners? They sweat. <laughs> True. In the afternoon, where did people go when they didn't have air conditioners? They went outside, right? They sat on the porch. Don't you remember seeing the old people rock on their porches? Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I know you are not as old as me, some of you. But, but that's what, because inside it was hot, right? I can remember growing up and going into some of the older homes, you know, around where I lived. And the ceilings were like this. They were way up high. And I used to think, why did they do that? It was hot. The high ceiling made a huge difference, okay? But then you get air conditioner, and when you get air conditioner, you don't have to sit on the porch anymore. It's hot out there. And so you come inside, away from your neighbors. You don't even have to look at them anymore, right? You don't have to do that. I mean, you know, as much as we, I turned down the AC when I walked in here today because I wanted it cooler. So as much as I like AC, there was a byproduct of that as far as community was concerned because people that lived next to each other all of a sudden didn't see each other the way they used to. And then uh, many of you remember this. Uh, houses didn't always have garages, right? And a lot of homes do now. And, and then you got the garage door opener, right? You don't even have to get out of your car. You just drive up, hit that button, the door opens, you drive in, you hit the button, the door closes. You don't have to look at your neighbors. You walk into your air-conditioned home. You are just like, I know you live over there, but we don't have to talk, right? So there are some conveniences and some luxuries that kind of separate us out from other people. And then do y'all remember when caller ID started? You remember that? Before that, listen, young people, you had to answer the phone to find out who it was. <laughs> Like you would pick up the phone, hello, <laughs> you know, because it was somebody you didn't want to talk to, but it was too late. <laughs> you, you already had them. And then caller ID came out and you could see who it was and you didn't, you just didn't have to answer, right? Now nobody does that. Who answers the phone without knowing who it is first? You let a number pop up on your cell phone that you don't know and you're just going to put it down, right? Nobody answers that. And then social media, as much as it's supposed to connect us, doesn't always connect us, Right? It separates us. How many times have you told a friend, hey, let's get together for lunch? Social media. And then they're like, yeah, let's do that. And it never happens. 
right? You just, you just feel better because you invited them back and forth. You just do that kind of thing. So it's supposed to bring us together, but it doesn't always bring us together. And what we miss out on is the fellowship. Now, I, I'll get to a little bit more about how that applies to the church in just a moment. But, but let me pull up this slide. I know you got it. It's the share, share the love of Jesus. I'm going to give you two main ways to do this and how it fits in to community. There it is. So the first way you do that is you do it with other believers at church. And that's anytime we get together anywhere. If we're in a cafeteria like this, or if we're at Jessica's house on a Sunday afternoon, or if we're at your house or wherever we are. But this is how you do it. This is how you share the love of Jesus and it spreads from person to person and place to place when you do this with your believers at church. I wanna read you a scripture. I think we might have this one. On the slide too, it's Hebrews 10, 25. If you don't know this one, it's a great one. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the scripture just says, don't give up on meeting together. Your presence is powerful. Think about what happens at your house. You remember when families sometimes would have movie night and everybody just piled in on the couch or the living room and you, and you all watch the same movie? Okay, now you don't have to do that, right? I'm gonna watch the movie in the living room. You can watch it in the bedroom. And if one of the kids wants to watch it from their phone, they don't even have to be home, but we can watch the movie together, but none of us are actually together, right? That's the difference. That's how things have kind of separated out. And, and you miss something with the presence of a person. And so what I'm trying to say to you is don't let the fellowship that we're talking about and the worship of the one true God, don't let that be reduced to something like I'm listening to a podcast or I'm just listening online. You know, our church has a website. If you haven't been to it yet, check it out. There is a place for sermons, and you can just pull up the messages. This one will be loaded up probably tomorrow um, for people that missed it, and you can click on that, and you can hear. So you'll know what was said in this part of the service or on Wednesday night, what we're talking about from Revelation. You can hear all of that, okay? but it's not the same as being here. It's not bad if you couldn't be here because you get to keep up with things, but it's not the same thing as being here. Now, here's what the, here's what the latest church research shows, and some of you are way above, okay? So you, you'll know yourself in a moment. But here's what the latest re research shows. On average, a Christian person goes to their church once a month. I do not know what to do with that. Like, I, don't, I don't know how to fix that. On average... A person who says, I'm a Christian and I joined a church, they show up for a service once a month. So most of you here today, you're way above average. Yay. You're way above average. Okay. So I'm very thankful for that. But there's a larger group of us out there that say, hey, we, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I'm a member of a church somewhere. Well, how often do you go? Well, it's been a while. You know, every once in a while, I'll meet someone and they'll tell me their church and I'll ask about their pastor. They don't know him. Like they don't, they haven't been since he's been there. It's been that long. And, and yet they're, they consider themselves members. That's what's happening. But I don't know what to do with that. What I can say to you is if you miss it, you miss it. And it just, it takes some extra effort. And, you know, sometimes you have to change things on Saturdays and you have to get to bed early and you have to lay out things for the kids and pack the car. I mean, we just have to take things and, and do things to get ready so that we can make the extra effort and show up on Sunday and be with our church family and get all the benefits that come from that. And that's what I'm asking you to do. 
because that's how we share the love of Jesus. We do it first with our church. Now, here's the second way we do it. We do it with a smaller group, a committed group, a community of people. And that's what you should see on the screen there, a community of people. You want to share the love of Jesus? You want it to be real in your life? You can come to this group, and this is a good place to start. But you're going to need a smaller group of people that you can get to know, and you'll let them get to know you. And, and that is the game changer when it comes to understanding the love of Christ and what it looks like in a person's life. So when someone says to me, what's your secret? You know, what, what's your secret? Why, why, why do you go through things and, and you just seem to handle it differently than other people? What's your secret? And I'm going to tell you first, it's always Jesus Christ. You know, he, he, he is the secret. And then the second thing I'm going to tell you is it's long-term relationships. It's, it's learning how to get to know people and to maintain those relationships over years. And, and learning how to deal with that because a long-term relationship is never always good, right? It's never always positive. It's not like every day is better than the day before. You hear any, you hear these young people say that every day is just so much better. That is not true. They just haven't been together long enough, right? Every day is not always better. But you got to learn about the, the hard things and the bad things and the tough times and the difficult times. And you go through all that. And, and when you learn how to, to maintain long-term relationships with people who are believers, just like you are, uh, you, you come to understand how Jesus can put up with you. That's what happens. And it's that smaller group of committed people that you just do life with. That's what makes the difference. And so for some of you here today, this is not a reality for you. And I'm going to ask you about it. Okay, so do you want this? Do you, do you want friends that are close enough? You'd let them come over and help remodel your home. Some of you are like, yes, paint the walls, knock them out. Yes, I want that. Do you want friends that are, that are, they'll come mow the grass at your house when you're on vacation or when you're away. Oh, when you can't do it. Yes, we love friends like that. We, we want to know people like that. You, you want to know people that will show up and help clean up after a storm. Or your kid's going on a mission trip and they'll help fund that. They'll, they'll share cars when it's needed. They'll, I mean, I know families that have wanted to adopt and couldn't afford it. And their, their closest friends just got together and, and helped fund that and helped make it happen. I mean, who doesn't want friends like that? That takes time and it takes effort. People that'll show up and help take care of you when you're sick. And one of the things you see in the church, you always have people that have lots of family around. You know, like they're part of the church, but they've got extended family. They live within 10 miles and, you know, they have that kind of support. But also in the church, you'll have people, they're part of the church and they don't have another biological relative anywhere nearby. And so when they start talking about faith family, I mean, it, it, it's, it's big. And I, I refer to you as my faith family. That's what I do. And, and, and you are my faith family. Justin and Jennifer couldn't be here today. Uh, they go almost every Easter to see his grandparents in, in Moultrie, Georgia. And he always asks me about that. Do you think it's okay if I'm gone for Easter and you know going to see my grandfather? And I'm like, go see your grandfather, right? All your grandfather's like, yes. That's the good advice. It is. Go see him. Go see him while you can. Absolutely. He can't come to you. Go to him. You're going to miss this, but we'll be here next week. Okay? I'm not giving you an excuse to miss church. <laughs> Don't read into that more than I said. But it's important, right? It's so important. But when I came here, 
to St. John's County. I mean, I had just met Justin and Jennifer, and they were about to get married. And Justin came up to me, and he didn't know me that well. He was like, would you, would you maybe, you know, y'all know Justin. Would you consider, would you maybe, I mean, he should work his way to it. He's going to hear this, me talking about him. Would you consider doing part of our wedding? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Love to do that. And so I and one other pastor, we, we did his wedding. And Jennifer's. Both of them. Yeah, we did the wedding. We did it. And then, you know, you go forward a little bit, and and Justin, um, you know, said I, he said I was baptized as a child, but but I'd really like to be baptized again. I mean, I just understand things differently than back then, and I just think it's the right thing to do. Would you baptize me? Absolutely. And so I baptized Justin. And then we went on a little forward, you know, and, and Jennifer's pregnant, and. And the baby's going to be born, and, and they call, and Michelle and I, you know, just get to the hospital, and we're just there, you know, for the birth of the baby. That's what families do, right? And then Justin had surgery, show up at the hospital, and I don't know if y'all know this, but the guy almost died. I mean, he had a problem with anesthesia, he couldn't breathe, I mean, he had to be rushed back to the emergency room. I don't know if he tells people that stuff, so I'm telling it on him. HIPAA violation. You know what that is. And then Jennifer, you know, surgery again, and she had to have something done, and, and you just, you're just there with people. And then all of you know, most of you know, you know, what's transpired over the last few months, and, and Justin has just been, I mean, just right there with me, you know, and, and you just love people for standing with you. And, uh, and you just get close to people because of that. Um, Barbara's not in here, and Earl works on Sunday, but let me tell you something on Earl, okay? This is the kind of friend Earl is to me. Pick me up at my house, drive with me four hours to the house we had in Alabama, help load everything up in a big truck, sleep on the couch, get up the next morning, drive all that stuff four hours back to here, unload it, and, uh, and then I tried to take him to lunch. He's like, no, I got to go see Barbara. I mean, you just love people that do that kind of thing for you. You get close to people because of it. Uh, Candy, I'm going to tell one on you. <laughs> you hear that? Candy makes the best banana bread ever. It's chocolate banana bread. And, and if you get to talk to me about it, I'm going to tell you how good it is. It is so good. It's like a dessert. And uh, I can't remember why she gave me some of that first, but she did. And every time she makes banana bread, I hope to get some. That's me talking to you, Candy. <laughs> but again, it's just, you know, you, you get closer to me. The other day I was talking to Michelle, and I said, you know, here, here's, the, here's the difference between this church and every other place we've ever been. I said, we've just allowed ourselves to be close to people. And, and in previous churches and other things, we thought we were doing that, but we just weren't. Like right now in this room, there are some of you who are just secret keepers, you know? I mean, you, you know things about me other people don't know, and, and I just never would let people know those things. But for whatever reason, that's, that's what Michelle and I have chosen to do here. And, and I told Michelle the other night, I said, you know this is true, because it's the absolute truth for me. I said, I love this church more than any church I've ever served. I just do. I just love you. I just love you. And some of it is, some of it's what we've been through together. 
but it's more than that. I mean, it was, it was more than that before we went through some things together. But that's what community is. You have, you have to be willing to be known and you have to be willing to let people know you. And if you're here today and you know you came in, you don't really know anybody in this room, all I'm gonna say to you is there's so much more. There's so much more to community. And that's how you find out about the love of Jesus and that's how you share the love of Jesus with others. You, you've gotta be willing to let yourself be known and you've gotta be willing to know other people, to really know them. Now, the truth is on that, it is not always pretty. Not always pretty. You'll find out things about people you wish you didn't know. They will say things to you sometimes you wish they hadn't said. You will question the validity of your relationship at some point. Because you get to know them, they get to know you. Look, they're all, I mean, everybody's just a people, right? You know what being a people means? You will disappoint others. You do it. And so you get to know people, you think they're great, they're wonderful, like I just can't believe I've lived all this time and didn't know you as my friend. And then something happens and you go, oh, uh, hmm, maybe. That's what happens, right? And so they'll disappoint you, they'll let you down. Those kind of things happen. But that is exactly what you have to go through if you're gonna get to community. Because you've gotta see a person for more of who they are. They're good and they're bad and they're ugly. You gotta see all of that. But that's how you get to community. And that's how you start to learn what God puts up with from you. That's how you start to learn that Jesus loves you in spite of your flaws, in spite of your weaknesses, in spite of all the other things, he still loves you and he loves you no matter what. Those things don't happen by accident. And that's what I'm trying to say to you today. What we read in Acts chapter two a moment ago, that just does not happen by accident. It's not, you just show up every now and then on Sunday morning and you get that. It's, it doesn't work that way. You gotta put forth the effort. You gotta be willing to talk. You gotta be willing to share. You gotta be willing to do life with people. You just, that's what you have to do if you want that kind of community. And you and I as a new church, we have that opportunity. We can do those things and we can do those things together. Now, let me read again. This is Acts chapter two. I'm just gonna read verse 46 and 47. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And here's the sentence. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So if, if you ever think about, and many of us grew up, we were taught about evangelism and outreach and witnessing and all those things. And, we, and they tried to teach us how to do it and, and what would be really effective. If you want to know what's really effective, that's it. It's when, you, it's when you do what Jesus said. And he said, they will know you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. That kind of love is a magnet. It draws people in. And you just... You just invite people, you know, just come, hang out with us, check out what we're doing, see what's going on. And when they see it, that's how they get introduced to the love of Christ in that way. So the breaking of bread, Jesus came eating and drinking. And what I'd like for us to do today is we end our service. We're just going to end it in a little different way. Uh, we're all going to stand in a moment. We're all going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to come forward. We'll just do it row by row. And I'd like everybody to come forward and, and to take one of the, the uh, cups. And then after everyone's back at their seat, uh, these things open up in two, two sections. So please keep that in mind. There is a, a top section that peels off and that gives you the bread. And then there's a second section that peels off that gives you the juice. And we're gonna walk through that step by step together. And part of it's just out of necessity to do it this way. 
Uh, but, uh, but I'm going to ask you to do that in just a moment. And we're going to break bread together. We've, some of us have already broken bread together at that table. We're going to break bread together at this table. And as we do so, what we are remembering is that Jesus Christ gave himself for us. That's what Easter weekend's all about, that he offered his body for us. He poured out his life's blood for us. And when you take that in, that's what you're saying. I receive what you did for me, Jesus. I believe what you did for me. Would you stand with me for prayer? Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and for your love. We thank you, God, for what you have done for us and the way you pull us together, put us together, and call us your church. And I'm just delighted today, Lord, to be here and to worship you with this group of people. And now as we receive uh, this Lord's Supper, we want to remember all that was done for us so that we could be here today and enjoy the blessings that will last forever. So we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Shirley's going to play, play, and you'll just come starting on the front row. Mm -hmm. 